back to Front Town. Yay, it's me by myself. I, well, I guess I'm not technically by myself. Uh, I need to start this by saying that V is not here. This isn't a Black History Month thing. I mean, it's, it's a Black History Month thing, but V not being here isn't a Black <laughs> History Month thing. Uh, v is traveling and he could not make the recording of this podcast. And because he's such an awesome dude, he was like, look, just just go grab a host, get someone else who can fill in for me. And I was like, V, that's those are large shoes to fill. And he was like, I know you will find someone. And so I did. I found someone. I found an, an incredible co is going to sit in on this is Charmaine from Maine Hustle Media. Charmaine, hi. Yay. Hi. hi. Yeah. Doing? For people who don't know <laughs> you, give us like a 30 second, actually not 30 seconds. Give us as much time as you want, <laughs> but introduce people to you. Yeah. What, what should I know about you uh, if I'm listening to the podcast or even? I'll say what I say on all of my shows, which is the all of my identities. I am the busiest mixed race by gender, bisexual, polyamorous, atheist, comic book nerd, cat mom, and two-time Asian American Podcasters Association's Golden Crane Award winning podcaster. In this podcasting the game, control. I am the host of Militantly Mixed and Bifurious. <laughs> yeah, I had to take that deep breath. I'm the host of the Militantly Mixed and the Bifurious podcast, and I'm a co-host of Blurred Comics podcast, and I am a co-owner of Gulf Coast Cosmos Comic Book Co. in Houston, Texas. Fantastic. So much. Oh, my God. You're hyphenates. <laughs> you do everything. Um, I'm excited to have you on the show. I do all the things. Super, super excited to have you on the show. Um, okay. I have so much I want to ask you about. I'm excited uh, to be here. I, let's, let's start with the comics. Um, so, first of all, I guess Marvel or DC, I feel like, is a fair. Mm-hmm. Or are we go, are we talking Black Horse? Like, what, what's, what are you rocking with right now? No, so I am a mostly Marvel person. I think um, I kind of feel like I got my sense of justice early on from being a Marvel fan. Um, So the way I describe comics in terms of the majors, it's Marvel is in your world as it exists today. If people were powered, how would they interact with us Mm -hmm. in the world? Whereas DC is gods on earth and we are their puny little burdens. You know what I'm saying? Uh, So I've always felt a leaning towards Marvel because that Marvel mani. Uh, Although I do like a lot of the Independence too. Some of my favorite books um, have been written by uh, black and queer women, mm-hmm. non-binary or bi-gendered identified people. And I, yeah, I just look for if it's brown, black, queer, anything like that. That's usually where I kind of dip into on the on the independent side. But yeah, I am a Marvel. I'm a Marvel girl person thing. <laughs> I agree with you on the portrayal of Marvel versus DC. I've always thought of, of Marvel as being uh, what if humans had powers and dc as being what if gods were human it was just it's just that what if the gods were human and yeah. I, and it's and right. I think that's why they're like so idealistic on the dc side whereas on marvel like you can be an alcoholic you can have problems they're like look it's he's human he's just got these powers yeah. he's human and it's okay whereas like an alcoholic on the dc yeah. side is like you're a villain by default like you don't have a choice with the exception i guess of you're feeling by default right well i guess yeah. the exception of what mr fantastic was theoretically an alcoholic i think but that's a whole that that was later i feel like dc tried to adjust uh like way later in the game and wait mr fantastic was marvel right yes he's cool, marvel so never mind, yeah. i'm still right no yeah, maybe i'm thinking marvel. plastic man <laughs> i think i'm thinking no plastic man was a thief well no uh, so i think on the dc side we had uh who is it green arrow long time ago tested out oh that's right that's right that's right it was a big old deal on the dc that's correct and i'm I'm, in plastic man was a thief i'm thinking plastic man was a thief but yeah yeah, you're correct and i think like that was right around the 70s like but the heroes are messy the gods on earth heroes are messy in the way that i think like all of the gods that humans have made up like like you know all of them (laughs) (laughs) i agree yeah um you know they're they're basically people with problems that someone has decided to idealize. And I think DC kind of nails that in terms of, of its uh, messy heroes. Um, and with, with Marvel, messy heroes are just regular. I, I Yes, they're just people. And I, I agree with it. Only The only regular. person I think that they've, they've kind of struggled with is Superman. And I think it's just hard to make him flawed enough for us to care about him but not be terrified of him yeah because if he's he's a hard one yeah you know he's he's not my favorite i'll say that for a lot of people i, I, think, I say yeah. that his his pr has slipped yeah his pr has slipped quite a bit like he's supposed to be a jewish american hero basically he's supposed to mirror the experience of of the jewish american and um and because he's created by two jewish guys who were like we want someone power you know we want someone powerful to look up to mm-hmm. um so he had he's supposed to be like 
like the Jewish immigrant American experience turned into a super person and um you know now his pr is you know patriotism usa you know and that just doesn't very all-american follow his why he was created like his purpose so it's really hard for me to get like he literally used to fight the clan that was one of his big things and now it's like teetering on you know thin blue line sometimes (laughs) teetering on him being in the clan let's just go ahead and say it uh no i think it's (laughs) you know what i'm saying like it's just it's just a thing no i I agree with you it's just a thing i agree i agree you know it's funny that you should mention uh the clan not a good segue but we're gonna take it anyway I, <laughs> it would take a week to get, it's to not get a good into one. speaking of the clan yeah, speaking of the clan uh, <laughs> no um, <laughs> that did it now we are on topic Bang. uh it's so something i did want to discuss i guess with you um and i i told you before the show i debated about doing this with a as a big group show and i think it would be fun to do this as a one-on-one topic um because i i thought it'd be great to talk about reparations because uh mm-hmm. for a couple reasons first of all i think it's it's uh I I found this out as I was researching reparations. Uh, Did you know that 16% of Americans support reparations, um, which is up by, uh, from more by, I think it was like 4%, like almost 10 years ago, which is uh, an exponential growth, which is Mm. great. But it also makes me think like 16%, only 16% support reparations. Yeah. Cause like 13% of the American population is black. Yeah. Right. You're you're going to the same place I'm going. (laughs) That's what I was just going to say. It's like, wait a minute. So that means like, Assuming all black people were like, yes. That means that only 3% of America was like, yes. yeah, we're on board too, which is like, what? Yeah, that too. That's a low number, I feel. Also, that means that like 10 yeah. years ago, even <laughs> even black people were like, nah. <laughs> even black folks weren't down for it, right? They're like, yeah, this is just, we're supposed to bootstrap, right. didn't you hear? Oh my God. Um, so I guess, yeah. yeah. And even that's disturbing because I don't know the population. I, sh- I should have looked it up, but I don't know the population of Japanese. And since I am a black Japanese person and Japanese, Japanese people did receive reparations for a Japanese internment, although that's not the kind of Japanese I am. We came after. Mm-hmm. But not knowing the percentage of Japanese Americans, even those people should have been pop counted into, I would assume, be like, hey, you know, Japanese Americans got reparations. We should vote for reparations for others, too. You would you would think that. but That would put us above 16%, I would hope. I would also think that if we we're polling people, that there would also be people who were just, you know, non-white in this country just experiencing this country who would be like hey maybe mm. maybe there is something to what these black people are saying is what i would think word yeah but uh I, you know, we've had this conversation on frown town before but and so I, I won't drag it out but i will say that uh i had an eye-opening conversation and i've had a series of eye-opening conversations uh talking to my wife's family so my wife is uh gambian and nigerian and i was talking to her gambian uh mm-hmm. father so we're having a conversation he was like yeah you know i didn't honestly think until i came came to America that, you know, black people in America actually had it bad. I just thought they were lazy and shiftless. And mm-hmm. uh, he, I, he used one other word that I... Shiftless. Yeah, he did say shiftless. Shiftless was a word he used. And there was another... I, Such a common word for... Yeah. He just and, and he was he was like, I just thought, you know, I just thought they didn't want to work. And then he said, I got here and then I did a little bit more research. And then I realized like, no, it actually is uh, such an uphill battle for, mm-hmm. for black people that now he's like uh, kind of on board for reparations. And I have a suspicion Mm-hmm. that a lot of other people especially if uh they're first generation immigrants or immigrants are first generation excuse me in this country have that same depiction because how else would you see black people mm-hmm. i mean how, how how are we depicted typically i mean it's getting better I, I think in the last 10 years it's gotten a lot better as far as movies and media but i remember the 80s and mm-hmm. 90s and how we were depicted then how how else would you see yeah. us i feel like the pr i always say this about like i talk about the pr for Sp- superman but the pr for black people around the world is criminals or sports athletes or rappers. Mm-hmm. Like even on the Japanese side, my family, when they found out that, which is a long story we don't have to get into, when they found out later on in life that I was black, it was questions like, do you run fast? Or, you know, was your is your dad in jail? <laughs> and things like that, because like that is the global PR of black people in America. So even uh, people who immigrate here from the West Indies or from Africa have that same mentality. And they're literally taught black Americans are shiftless. That word yeah. is a like such a common use word. I was just listening to a podcast earlier today that mentioned an Af- you know an African immigrant who thought that yeah. too. And um, it is 
it's terrible PR, but especially for black immigrants who come here who are going to get wrapped up into the system, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to be impacted by the system, whether they believe themselves to be like, quote, those black people, you know, or not, they're going to have to learn like real quick that they are going to be impacted and affected by this system that makes us so shit. You know what? I think them coming here and then kind of getting looped into the system almost kind of, uh, it's 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 almost like a, a almost like a hardening I think of their stance because you know it's it's well no I'm not one of those black people I, and and I, I say that because I have friends who are Jamaican and we've had this long conversation where you know we got past it but when they first got here they were like no no I'm not one of those black people and I was like wait what are those black people because I'm one of those black people right and so it's it's trying to help people understand that you know the the and I, and I have this conversation with my wife quite a bit too because I think some of it is just helping her understand that while uh we and we have the conversation we typically have is she'll say um people should take you know responsibility for their lives and i'll say okay but what if they don't have anything to take responsibility for and she's like well that's Mm -hmm. not an excuse and i'm like that's i'm not making an excuse i'm just saying (laughs) it's not an excuse it's just a legitimate fact you're saying like take responsibility for your life decisions okay or my life okay but what if i don't have any decisions or a life to make like what if my and I, and, I, and trying to explain to her because I don't think she ever lived in a scenario where you know working a nine to five or going to go work a job like at Walmart or at some you know some low mm-hmm. lower wrong job wasn't going to pay bills and mm-hmm. give you the money you needed to support yourself like crime would right. <laughs> and right right yeah I don't think people have ever realized how what that situation is like and and I think maybe it's helping people understand is it's not just now it's this is a compounded scenario or situation that's happened across generations where you know it's not only do I not have uh, money that I have to go make, but I don't have anyone in my family who has money who can even help me. So if I wanted to right. do something legal, like, oh, I want to go to college, well, we can't afford that. So unless you can jump mm-hmm. high yeah. or you're super smart, you're not going to get in and we can't all jump mm-hmm. high and we're not all super smart. So it, it's trying right. to help people to understand that. And I think part of what I wanted to do with, with this is to walk through the compounding of the generational build, I think, of what got us to today and to help us understand mm. how we got here generationally and not just oh well these people are lazy they're not trying because it, it, on the flip side of that there are some of us who Beyonce's a millionaire Jay-Z's a, oh, excuse me not a millionaire a billionaire Jay-Z's a billionaire, billionaire like yeah so it's it, Oprah yeah. Oprah exists I don't even know how many billions she has <laughs> But the, they're the exception, not the right. rule, right? And they shouldn't be the people that, like, all black people are put up against. It's like, see, they started from, you know, well, let's say, like, Beyonce, for example, she's from the neighborhood that I currently live mm-hmm. in and that I that I have my comic book shop in. It's a, it's a mixed neighborhood between, like, really, really low, hardcore poverty level and gentrification, of course, is happening here as well. Um, so, yeah, the, the fact that they did what they did to get to where they got, that's... That's an exception. Yeah. That's not the story that everybody can can have. I grew up on welfare. My mom was a hairstylist. My dad went from job to job to job until he decided to quit his job so that he wouldn't have to pay ch- back child support. Um, you know, so like, where was I getting my leg yeah. up in in terms of that uh, that thing? You know, my mom is a service industry worker. How was she gonna? Unless she pocket, even if she could pocket every tip and everything like that, was that gonna be enough necessarily to get us into Harvard versus? state university you know things like that like these these are disadvantages that just happen and the fact that sometimes our names are the reason why we're not offered Mm -hmm. a job or offered an interview or something like that because we're more obviously um non-european i guess uh <laughs> that you're starting from behind right. you know you're starting from behind well, and it's it's behind generationally as well like the, the point that i think i'll make is yeah. uh in 1939 there was a man named richard Givens. he was a laborer at a box mill <clears throat> for the entire year of 1939 he earned 300 dollars. which what the fuck <laughs> um that's so such a low amount for an entire year but for an entire year he worked yeah i assume uh stupid ass five hour days um not five hour days eight hour days five days a week and got three hundred dollars uh for non-white men at that time the median so the average salary for non-white men at that time was 460 dollars a year so it was a little bit more but for white men at that time it was 1112 dollars so in 
1939 when he has a family of eight well well and here's where me and my, my wife have our arguments like well why does he have eight kids i'm like how does he not have eight kids like who who taught him not how how yeah. to not have children who, who's who's buying what was the 1939 form of birth control? right <laughs> he was doing the best he could <laughs> it was he probably should have had 15 eight was was actually his his best number <laughs> um but <laughs> The, the thing that's that's crazy about that is the difference in salary. And so, like, if you have a family and you're trying to support them, uh, the way that most Americans build wealth is is the first big investment is buying, like, a house, right? So you have to have money mm-hmm. to be able to, to buy a house. But on a third of the salaries that other people were making at that time, how do you buy a house? What house do you buy? What yeah. land do you buy to support your family? Even if you do mm-hmm. find a house, think about how much more expensive and how much more wealth that is for a white man to be able to accumulate. And that's just in 1939. Mm-hmm. That's not going back to talk about the economic gap that exists just because of, uh, you know, wage disparity, but also taking into account redlining and taking into account the fact that uh, mm-hmm. when black people were first released from slavery, um, <laughs> interestingly enough, reparations were paid to the slave owners. So when they right. released the slaves, right. they're like, all right, so the slaves are free and hey, y'all y'all lost property. So here is some money. But they didn't give the slaves anything. Yeah. So yeah. not only are you competing with uh, white people who are making more money than you, but if you are starting from a point of we didn't even get any wealth to begin and then uh on top of that just for fun every time black people accumulated any type of wealth maybe through you know bootstrapping uh throughout Mm the 1900s and late 1800s white people would just riot and destroy our shit and then just Mm -hmm. be like all right well so and and you didn't get any money for that and if you fought to yeah. defend yourself you either were killed or you were put in jail yeah how dare you defend yourself right and that's not a thing that uh <laughs> that happened once or twice and, and i don't want to get into a lot of oppression porn about this but uh it, it's uh, it was a common occurrence so much so that the entire summer of 1910 was like called the red summer because there were just race riots where white people and it wasn't all focused entirely on black people though black people did bear the brunt of it but white people were mm-hmm. rioting because they did not have enough jobs and were worried about not having enough wages uh, and so they would just riot and try to kill anyone who wasn't white in an attempt to hold those jobs for white people mm. all of that is to say we don't have time to really break into how much impact systemic racism has but i think what we can do is point out two facts uh the wealth gap is still there it was built based upon generational wealth being taken away from or the opportunity for generational wealth being taken away from black americans throughout time uh starting from mm-hmm. their release from slavery well i guess theoretically starting from their being brought to this country till now sure yeah. uh so it's, it's at a point where it's the average white family has 10 times the wealth of the average black family. And in 2020, there was a, a Senate Joint Economic Committee that made a report called the Economic State of Black America. And in 2020, the black family's wealth, median wealth is still less than one tenth of white families. So we are still uh, overall not doing well. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. the, the argument then is we can say that reparations are necessary because of the damages that have been done throughout time. I think that we can establish that. I think we can also establish that there were policies that the U.S. had in place that uh, led to this. So obviously slavery Absolutely. first, but then after yeah. slavery, uh, Jim Crow laws, redlining, mass incarceration, yep, steering. Oh my God, steering. Uh, also, the fact that like you know the the Great Migration happened in the 1920s primarily just because like uh, all of the lynching that was happening. Let's not forget that that was also a thing that was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so with all of that happening at that time, uh, it was nearly impossible for Black people to gain any type of wealth. Let's not also forget the fact that once, as we mentioned, once they did gain any wealth, then it was destroyed. Uh, and there's no insurance for uh, white people came and burnt down my <laughs> my my storefront and all of my neighbors' store fronts and shot everyone i know there's no insurance for that there's no yeah no one comes in like cuts you a check uh let's also not forget like the homestead act uh where they were like divvying up land that they took away from natives and they gave it to white people and black Mm -hmm. people couldn't get that nor could uh really pretty much anyone non-white so let's not forget Mm -hmm. that uh let's not just there's so much that like policy wise that was meant to discriminate against black americans uh that still i think there's still policies in the book that were meant to that are meant to discriminate against black americans so i I think that if policy Mm -hmm. caused this problem right policy should be able to solve the problem should be able to theoretically i mean obviously it's not going to solve racism but no. I mean, it could solve the disparity in the wage, the wage gap, I think. Hopefully some. I mean, the unfortunate part is that a lot of that reparations come from 
our own taxes mm-hmm. too. So we're also <laughs> ending paying our own self yeah. for what they did to our ancestors and what they continue to do to us today. Uh, so that part's so awesome. I, then uh, I guess I'll ask you, how do you think we should calculate reparations? Because I've had the same conversation before and I have previously suggested, uh, jokingly, but maybe a little bit seriously, that uh, <laughs> we just get like a permanent discount on all products. Like if you're black... <laughs> And I'm talking about a steep, the opposite of the black I'm about tax. A steep discount. I'm, I'm talking like sixty percent, <laughs> and like I feel like it should be fifty percent on everything, and then cotton products it should be seventy percent. I mean, cotton products should be free. Let's I mean, I'm just, trying to, I'm trying to be there. realistic, but yes, yes, it should be free. <laughs> Listen, if the wage gap, if the wage disparity is one in ten, then mm. why isn't the discount ninety percent? Okay, I'm with you. That, nope, that's that's logic. I don't know enough math to disagree. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So I- yeah, I've thought about this so many different kind of ways, and, and especially too, like being a mixed person, um, and and trying to figure out like what is what is reasonable to to even expect in in my situation. Um, but I was following along with some of the hearings. Uh, what was that? Gosh, I can't keep track because of COVID. But was it 2020? That was 2020. Yeah, yeah. Oh look, I nailed it! Yay! <laughs> uh, so and they were talking about like the the grandparent count right yeah. like how uh, uh how to calculate y- what you earn and until i talked to you about it i i hadn't really even thought about um that the disadvantage happened when it happened it, the disadvantage already happened yep. and it's continuing to happen so while like say someone with my skin tone won't necessarily have the same like mistreatment by the police as like someone of your skin tone might that's a different problem in yeah. terms of racism in the system yeah, that- involved but in terms of being behind m- uh, my white counterpart peer whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it yeah i think i think calculating based off of you know you you identify as black you have black ancestry and you know you are behind i guess mm-hmm. that that is a great way in terms of calculating the finance of it i mean i'm sure i wouldn't even begin to know i mean i used to make jokes like you know what it's like when you realize you're problematic and later on you're like oh shit i used to say this but i used to say <laughs> something like you know i'd be happy with tw- uh, 20 you know 25 acres you know like don't give me the 25 okay. acres i don't need a full not the full 40, 40 just 25 you know what i'm no saying mule? like i don't need the full thing have just give like, me a little bit the of mule it. as well or you know what i'm saying <laughs> you know like or you know maybe not a just give me like a real nice dog like yeah, a real 25 big acres dog. in the hindquarters of a mule would be you know, fine. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll take like a pit bull or something, like a Rottweiler. <laughs> you know, I am from Long Beach, so I need to represent. Um, you know, like I used to think about stuff like that. It's like I think, I think a land which I guess crosses into a different discussion because yep. there is the land back of movement. But um, I was just I think thinking that a, a disparity having to do with the lack of property ownership that exists amongst the black community um, and comparatively, obviously, uh, and and also being able to even it out. Like, yeah, if it's if it's really something like I don't want to pay these black motherfuckers money <laughs> you know, because <laughs> I feel like except for they said something different. I feel like that is a conversation. Like, I don't want to give them money. Then then I like kind of the idea of your discount because then it's yeah. like, okay, you don't have to give us anything. You just don't have to take more money from us. So the problem with that is I feel like I'm trying to, and I, I say it jokingly, but I feel like I'm trying to solve a problem with capitalism. And so it's not going to work. I think what'll happen is just uh, that- Yes, of course. It's almost like like uh, A, businesses will not want black people to shop there because they, they'll never make any money off of <laughs> us. like, damn it. Yeah, so then then we have like no economic power anymore. So it strips us of all our economic power. No yeah. one's going to carry black products. Why? why yeah <laughs> like if i'm like yo i need to get hair grease why it's 20 cents i make on that why would i do that so that i feel like that would strip us <laughs> of our power um and then the government i guess would have to step in and pay and then you might as well just give us that money why are you giving it to them might as well yeah you yeah. might as well give I, us that money and and then i think okay so the other problem i think and you kind of you, you you touched on this with reparations is um a lot of times the the the, it's the issue that natives i think are are currently combating with the whole blood quantum scenario where it's like mm-hmm. how much of you is and and I think what we have to remember is that reparations uh is the federal government making up for the damage that it has done in the past. So, right. you know, your family in the past, your ancestors, if you have black ancestors, uh if you if they were not black or more to the point, if the federal government's policies had not been so antagonistic towards black people, they mm-hmm. would have accumulated far more wealth and theoretically you would have had more opportunity throughout your family and therefore right. you yourself would have had more opportunity if my parents could afford to go to Harvard and Yale and went to Harvard and mm-hmm. Yale, when they have me, they're first of all better jobs. And then when I they have mm-hmm. me, I now have connections with parents who went to Harvard you have and legacy Yale. 
opportunities. Right. Yeah. So there's just more opportunities there. And I mean, if there is, <clears throat> if theoretically there's no difference between Harvard and Yale and Alabama State and Alabama and m which there is, but if theoretically there's mm-hmm. no difference between the two, then, yeah. then I don't have an argument. But I think we can right. all argue there is a difference between those two. I personally love Alabama State and Alabama and m that more because they're black, they're HBCUs, but right. I think we can make the argument that especially in the 60s when my parents were choosing colleges, they didn't have the choice for Harvard and Yale. Their choices right. were limited. And that limitation in it in of itself is what the government is paying for. Right. And let's not forget, like they literally created the one drop, right? Mm-hmm. So the one drop, while they try to claim isn't happening right now, absolutely impacts. I mean, well, for, for, well, first of all, for listeners who don't know what the one drop is, it's the it's the rule, and I'm using air quotes. The quote, rule, air quotes, yeah, yeah, that because uh, it's not a real rule, but it's it's this belief that one drop of blood of like a black person makes you mm-hmm. black. So it doesn't matter, no matter your presentation, yep, no doesn't matter, matter how you parents. present. If you have black anywhere in your family. You're black. And black. I, I was going to say, as black people, we kind of embraced that sort of. We embraced it. So, yeah, yeah, white people created it, but we embraced it. So that's why someone with my skin tone who is really ambiguous in my presentation. I mean, black people usually know that I'm black. I, I only have a memory of one black person being surprised to find out that I was black. Yeah. But, you know, I get I get confused or, or misidentified as Dominican or, or Puerto Rican or something like that. Any of the Latin uh, cultures that have black people, you know, that's that are mm-hmm. more prominent in their thing. That's the ones that I get coded as. I never get coded as Japanese or Asian, unless it's Filipino. But you know, they started with black people too. So boom. Yeah. Um, I think. Uh, <laughs> I think when you when you create this quote unquote rule that is to prevent people from owning land, prevent people from voting, prevent people from uh, moving around the country in in freedom, then yeah, I guess some you know, I guess even amongst the mixed folks, you know, we are starting from that disadvantage. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, like it's only one generation that separates me from darker skin. Like my dad is slightly lighter than his dad, but his dad is dark as hell his dad was dark as hell so like the Japanese and the and the white that is on my dad's side of the family created this but I still grew up black I grew up in Long Beach I, I grew up in a predominantly black culture I identify as black and you know nobody just handed me a scholarship to to Harvard because I was pale you know I mean, I'm not going to be confused with white and like no one's ever going to confuse me with a white person. But you know what I'm saying? It's, yeah. it's not like I was just going to get that. I was never going to be a legacy of w- with where I didn't have to work hard yeah. to to become a millionaire. Where it's not an uphill battle for you or more to the point that, you know, the opportunities that are there, because obviously not everyone in a capitalist system is going to make it to millionaire status or right. to the top of the of the, of the pile, I guess, because it's capitalism. Yeah. But the opportunities that should have been there for you, for you and your family were taken away from you and your family mm-hmm. by government policy and that's the key it's, yes. it's not that uh the government just kind of passively didn't take action but it was actively antagonizing uh anyone who was black and to your point because of the one drop rule in the south especially they antagonized anyone who had a black person in their family up their bloodline mm-hmm. so it was just at that point then if you can't argue that the oppression didn't affect people who had less black mm-hmm. in their bloodline because you made sure that made it sure. that it affected them. And because you That's were true. so thorough in your racism, <laughs> it, <laughs> right. it, it only makes sense that you need to be thorough in this payout. So get I the mean, checks. I mean, that's fair because <laughs> we're not treated with blood quantum the way indigenous native people in, on this land are, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that's their version of, of, of like the terrible racism that happens to them. Them comes in the form of are you native enough right. to claim this land? Uh, where like in our case, no one ever says are you black enough? Oh, they they, they would try. Represent- they would one hundred percent. Well, try. they might now. They would try, but- especially if it was about payout time. They they will try once we get to payout time for sure. For sure, <laughs> it's just it's, gonna it's too late. Up. That that boat sailed oh. a long time ago, and they yeah, and you pushed like, the boat away from shore. It wasn't us. Listen, I moved from California where I am multiracial on California papers to Texas where I am only black on paper. Yep. <laughs> I, had, I had a woman look me dead in my eye at the DMV and when I said, well, I'm mixed so this is a hard thing and she looked at me and she goes, your name is Charmaine. <laughs> That's so Full wrong. stop. That was That's the so statement. Wrong. <laughs> and it was like, if you don't know that you're checking black on this paper, I don't know how to help you is basically the face that she had when she said that to me. That is, that's really wrong on a lot of different fronts, <laughs> but that feels very Texas to me. 
<laughs> it's, I mean, it's a weird kind of like validation and also invalidation at the same time. Yeah. Because like I do, I'm hierarchically, I, I identify black first and Japanese later, or at least I call myself like weekend Japanese because I don't get to maneuver as a Japanese person. You know, where I do get to kind of maneuver as a black person, I own a black owned business. Well, I'll say Blasian for the people who can't identify me with my mask, but you know, it's the first black owned comic book shop in Texas and things like that. So like I'm a, I maneuver in the world as... As a, a a very light black person, <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I, I'll say this: uh, I I agree with you about the validation, and then we got to go to break. But I have this uh, okay. <laughs> this weird running joke where uh, when I first moved to my city, uh, like white supremacists like flyered my entire city, and mm. I I really had a moment. I was like, "Is this because of me?" And I have never felt like more validated and more black in that moment. I was like, "Goddamn right, it's because of me." <laughs> like, as soon as I moved here, as soon as I got here, y'all were like, up. "Get to Kinkos." <laughs> Get to Printon. We got to tell everyone about black people. And I was like, yes. There's a black giant living amongst us. <laughs> exactly. It's like, yes, I did it. <laughs> I've never been prouder. Okay. We have to go to break. Yeah. <laughs> when we come back, uh, let's calculate reparations when we come back. That should be fun. All right. Okay. Let me get the whiteboard out. <laughs> I'll get an abacus. <laughs> yes. My grandma was dope on an abacus. Let me just tell you. Back from break. <laughs> I suddenly was like under pressure. I saw that number counting and I was like, what? Me? No. And we're back. I, yeah, no. I do that to V all the time. <laughs> I think it's, I'll like start it like, all right, V, you go. And he's so good at being like, blah. But yeah, I, I realize now that I probably shouldn't do it to people. Like, ah, oh, the number's are counting. Uh, hey, it, it, we got three as seconds left. As soon as the go? count happened, yeah. I was like frozen. I don't we know. We got three seconds why. left. You want to start this one? Huh? What? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, welcome to, uh, and then, hello, I don't know what to do with my hands. That's perfect. Uh, Welcome back to Frown Town. Excellent. Um, (laughs) I'm joined by a wonderful guest host, Charmaine, who uh, we we talked about why we needed reparations. Uh, We talked about why Mm -hmm. everyone needed reparations, right? So we're not Mm -hmm. going to be like, okay, you have, you get half reparations because half your family is this. No, we're not doing that Mm -hmm. uh, because America didn't do that. It wasn't like you were like, oh, Homestead Act, well, you only get half the land because, no, you, you hit everyone who was black so now you pay everyone who's black i feel like we established that well nice yes uh we yeah did. and I, I thank you for that now let's talk about how much money uh black people should get we kind of joked around about like giving discounts which by the way i joke about it but like if that happened like i wouldn't hate it i definitely wouldn't serious hate problems it. <laughs> but i wouldn't be like i think it's just it's like you know when you uh when someone like gives you a gift and you don't really like the gift but it was like well at least you thought about it mm-hmm. and it was like like it was a real yeah. like someone really thought it through like they really paid attention to you and this it's a complete shit gift right so you don't like it but they yeah. really thought about it and they paid attention to you and they just missed the mark entirely i had to- like when someone gives me perfume i have a smell problem I- oh. <laughs> no you're fine that was my cat <laughs> <laughs> i have an issue with smell and i talk about it all the time and that has made many people think that they will find the perfect fragrance for me so a lot of people have received perfume from me because i've received perfume from a lot of people Okay, so let me ask you this, and this is a legitimately honest question. Um, mm. How much do you think, per person, black people should get for reparations? We talked about it a little bit before we went to break, and we were like, haha, discount, which, by the way, yes, 100, 100% would do. Yeah. But how much do you think, per person, black people should get? I feel like it's whatever actually gets us back into like, like game, whatever makes right? us median yeah like like so if it, if the disparity is one in ten then move us up by 90 percent. so i used to be an hr manager and um one of the places that i worked at was on only places um so i'm gonna try to be vague so okay. um it's not trackable but one of the places i worked at every year when they would assess their raises for anybody who had been there for a long time they had these like large percentages in comparison to newer people mm-hmm. so they would they would decrease that person's raise so that person might get like one percent or two percent you know cost of living something like that whereas like people that were newer to catch up to that level Mm. they would get five to seven percent increases um and and then it would go for a couple years until they would back that down and get it down to three or two percent to to make it even even. and it was to give those people in that particular industry a chance to level out and it's like i said it was the only place i worked at that ever did something like that and i I was like that's that's the way in capitalism that you could correct something like that so it might be insane amount of money 
But if if the question is get us closer to that, you know, that one in ten, yeah. like get us back, get us up to ten, then the, whatever the that mon- that dollar amount is, yeah, close that gap. And and if that means that over time it shrinks, you know, as as everybody levels out, then fine. But get us there first. The question I have for you, because I, I, I like that, uh, but a couple questions for you. So my first question is, should we be trying to close the wage gap? Uh, because this is based on the median. So that means that like, uh, you know, the should we be trying to close the wage gap just on the median? Or should it be we take uh, the poorest black people and uh, maybe the, the poorest white people and we jump the poorest black people to the poorest white people level? I mean, that sucks. Like, yeah, I, it does. But I, I feel like that's, I imagine, that's the counterpoint like, to it. That's, yeah, that is the counterpoint to it, right? Yeah. Like now that you say that, I'm like, yikes. Not, um, not great. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's not great. Like, honestly. It, it would be better. Yeah, it would be better. But. Yeah, but when you look like someone of these self-made millionaires or billionaires whose fathers gave them $6 million to start their business or billion dollars to start their business, um, there's nothing like that. There's no correction, I think, that makes that even out. Correct. Especially when a lot of those people who are millionaires and billionaires to this day are millionaires and billionaires because of who their families were back when Mm -hmm. we were enslaved. Oh, the Walmarts Um, of the world, for example. Walmart wouldn't exist if it wasn't for what Samuel Walton, all the way back in the day just handing off wealth to his next generation and then next generation after that right exactly and and, um like the insurance companies literally creating the the concept of life insurance off of enslaved bodies like Mm -hmm. things like that like i don't think there is a financial compensation that gets us like that short of a financial purge where millionaires and billionaires whose families profited off of enslavement loses all that shit. Okay, now we're talking. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, I mean, me I am militant. Like <laughs> I'll take your money. If you want me to calculate, like, I'll, I'll you know, $1 billion. Like, I don't, I don't You care. had me a purge. I was like, what? You know what you I'm say saying? You purge the rich? Mm. Like, the, yeah, like, if, if it's just like, hey, orange family. We're going to take all of your money because we know that your family profited off of black yeah. bodies in New York. I feel like, you know, yeah, like that. I feel like that's that's worthwhile. I, I think the um, to your point, I, I don't think we should try to to uh, like bring up the lowest part of black America to the lowest part of white America because I don't know I don't know if that benefits anyone. I feel like that just mm. if, if anything else, I feel like that doesn't address all of the the, the damage that was done to to everyone. Because right, just yeah. because like uh and it's like um playing the lottery, right? So if, if we play the lottery you find out the lottery is rigged. Some people win rigged rigged lotteries, right? So someone would win it. Yeah. Some people do all right, but maybe it was rigged so that like it was harder for you to win than, it, than you were supposed to win. Well some right. people would still win, but I don't think you would make the argument that they didn't still miss out on an opportunity they shouldn't have gotten. So it's just uh, yeah, just absolutely. because you succeeded against the sheer odds against you doesn't mean that you should be penalized for that. I feel like that that part of it right. feels weird to me. Though, I mean, by the same token, and when we start talking about these numbers, the thing to remember is that Jay-Z and Beyonce are also black and they're going to get this payout as well. So like, it's it's a, it's chump change to them, right? <laughs> so like, yeah. it, it's, it's, it's wild to me to be like, hey, Jay-Z, we might be giving you an extra like two hundred thousand dollars and him being like Haha! it's just <laughs> yeah it's wild it's like put that in the bail fund that he puts out like for rikers <laughs> like let more people from rikers go with that money jc but like for the rest of us yeah for the rest of us this is um, legitimate life-changing money and i think th- th- that's yeah. the key right so like for a very poor black america when i say life-changing i'm talking this is an opportunity for uh, many of them to to have access to uh a life that they would not have yeah and especially if we're talking black and like southern states there's a certain amount yeah. so right exactly yeah. so let, let's talk about how to, to do this uh so i, I will say this the person that i am going to go with as far as their calculation is there are these two authors is um professor william darity and uh andrea kirsten mullen they wrote a book that's called from here to equality reparations for black americans in the 21st century and they went through all these different past ways for estimating reparations and then they offer a new one the one they offer is the closest to what i think you said which was take the medium mm. median uh gap so the wage gap and fill that gap so uh mm-hmm. and let's start with what they have and then we'll go through what some other figures have and let me just oh, say ahead. i'm talking about that as like a first step because i don't think it's just financial reparations that needs to happen mm-hmm. there's obviously some systemic things that need to change and you know i do feel like a land component even though that's a difficult one given that we're all sitting on um ancestral land mm-hmm. um, of other people some other thing that 
allows for further growth because you could give $200,000 to anybody in the neighborhood I currently live in. And that money may barely pull them out of the situation that they're in. Yeah. You know, um, it may do wonders, but it's almost like, remember that home improvement show where they'd come in and they'd like redo your whole damn house. And it was always like some poor person with like a desperate situation that like gave a lot to the community. Mm -hmm. And then they rebuild their house and jack up their tax, Mm -hmm. their property tax. And then they could, they would lose their house because they couldn't afford the property tax. That's what I'm afraid of. Just a wage gap closure would do. So there's, I would say there's a multi-tier thing, but I think that though that's the that's the point. So you're correct. Uh, the wage gap would end up in some people not being benefited, uh, and, and I, mm-hmm. I, I say that's the point, and, and it's a bit rude now that I, I thought about it. Uh, but it, it's it's not to make sure that everyone gets like we're not trying to take all black people and then be like here's a leg up to where now you're better than all white people, which would be dope. But we're not doing that. That'd be amazing. We're trying to make up for <laughs> lost opportunity, and so two hundred mm-hmm. or whatever amount, two hundred thousand or whatever amount of dollars, which I think just to say this amount. Uh, uh, to get it out so I can say it and not feel bad about it. 260000 I think, is what uh, Dirty and Mullen fell on, which would be okay. essentially the exact amount to break that median. It's just basically being like, here's the difference okay. between the average difference between black families and white families. So we're just giving it to the black families. Um, for some, that's that's a, you know, that that's game changer, right? Where we're talking about people who yeah. may be in the type of debt where that's enough money to pull them out of it. For others, that's the type of money where they don't have, uh, they may not have the financial um, aptitude to 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 make that into something giant and impressive mm-hmm. but what it represents is the opportunity to do that that may not be there before yeah. so i think sometimes we think about reparations as well everyone has to benefit from it but not everyone mm-hmm. benefits from opportunities it's, it's a little That's cold and, yeah. and I, I get it because I, I hate that part about it too because it's, it's cold capitalism is cold if we were really going to do this we would just drop all capitalism and be like yo let's let's find a more equitable system but we're not no one wants to do that i've been saying for years let's mm-hmm. just drop capitalism but we're here so if we're going to do this in a capitalist in a capitalist way what we're really doing here is giving people opportunity and we're trying to give them as much opportunity as they need to to jump the gap and that, and i think though that is what makes it difficult right because how, who who's to say mm-hmm. That two hundred sixty thousand dollars is the amount of opportunity difference. Right. We're just measuring because it doesn't seem like a lot when you're when you're tacking on four hundred years of slave, of enslavement <laughs> and fifty years of Jim Crow yeah. and fifty more years of so called civil rights. Correct. Like like the, that's yeah. And so it doesn't seem real. like that much. It feels like like you know uh, like like a bargain for America is what it feels sure. like. I mean. To put it in into another context too, like we I've already mentioned, like Japanese internment, the descendants of Japanese internment did receive reparations in the eighties, um, which is only you know forty years after their internment. Um, each person received twenty thousand dollars and an apology letter from President Reagan. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, it was approximately one hundred twenty thousand people that were originally interned. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Their descendants, whatever, da 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 da. In in to in that day standard, it was only like a, a one point six billion dollars that was actually paid out. Um, so that's a that's forty years later. Like I'm not doing a but black people, but black Japanese people. Like I'm not doing that part with it. Um, but I'm saying forty years after the major part of that crime was committed against these people, their descendants re- or some of the people that were still alive received twenty thousand yeah. dollars. Did that change the forty years that that you know, their lives were affected? Probably not no. that much. I mean, maybe for some people, probably not that much. I mean, it might have been someone's college fund. I mean, it might have been someone's sure. 20000 at the time period that we're talking about. The weight would have been enough for like, you know, hey, I can, someone can go to college or, you know, and again, the, could have gotten a ter- Toyota Tercel. Yeah. Or paid off. the Or, because, uh, you know, that's the amount of money that you might need as a down payment on a home that you would be sure. able to get from your family if they had been able to build up that kind of wealth. And, and that's the type of. Right. I think that's the type of opportunity that generational wealth affords to some, but not to many black people is, you know, yeah, you know, I exactly. own where I live, uh, but we couldn't go, like, I worked, let me back up. Sorry. So I used to work in real estate. And one of the thing that would happen is that when we were trying to sell someone a home, they would, you know, inevitably get to the, well, how are you going to put down the, the down payment on the house? Cause it was building new houses. And so what would happen is they would like, oh, well, uh, how much does it need to be? Well, it's a two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand dollar house. So the down payment is like twenty thousand. So now it's mm-hmm. where are you going to get twenty thousand dollars from? And that amount of mm-hmm. money for, for like for me, if if I had to get twenty thousand dollars, I need to save 
for X amount of months from my paycheck mm-hmm. and my wife's paycheck before we get that much money. And that's a lot of yeah. time. That's that's years of saving for us. I don't yeah. have a family member that I can just like call and be like, hey, can you loan me 5000 Can you? I don't have that in my life. So if I w- yeah. need 20000 I have to generate that 20000 I think the, mm-hmm. the idea is to, with trying to replace generational wealth is to try to meet those scenarios where if you yeah. do want to start a business, buy a house have an addition to your family you have a generational you have that to lean back on where you have family to look to like your parents have enough money to loan to their children to help them as they start their life and i think what Mm -hmm. ends up happening with black families especially is that we don't have that i think that is why Mm -hmm. in our culture especially in black culture it's a get out of the house when you're 18 get your own place figure that shit out start your life yeah, yeah it's never don't worry we got you we'll give you money and it's interesting to me because like truly my parents actually took the if you need help come back to us like i could call my parents and be like hey i need money mm-hmm. but they can help me with like 500 they can't help me with five thousand. they can't have with thousands yeah exactly yeah yeah so i feel like and that that's the thing uh so Real quick, I just want to run through how we calculate it, how to calculate re- reparations. And I was going to go through everyone else's calculations, but let's just go through uh, Darity and Mullen's cal- calculations. So they look at the, the the wage gap in between households, wealth by race. Um, right now, that is at, I want to say, 295000 um, If the average black household consists of 3.31 people, the mean shortfall in wealth for the individual black Americans would have been approximately 240000 uh, I'm sorry, 795000 pardon. So then they took that 795000 They multiplied it uh, by the U.S. Census Bureau's estimate of 10 million black households, which gives you a reparations bill of $7.95 trillion. They also offer a different calculation. It's the black population is 13% of American population. Uh, the total household wealth reached 107 trillion in 2018. 13% of that amount is 13.91 trillion. And since black Americans estimate hold 3%, then you owe us theoretically uh, an additional 10% of that wealth. We should have that additional 10%, which will work out to mm. 267,000 per person for every 40 million black, uh, 40 million black descendants of slavery in the country. So the range that they're proposing is 240,000, 267,000. That's how they figure it out. That's a lot of money. I will say uh, per person, it works out to, I think like 10.7 trillion, which is mm-hmm. okay. 10.7 trillion uh, is a lot. It is, I, I, I want to say, and I, I 100% could have looked this up beforehand and I did not. <laughs> But I feel like Medicare, the proposed Medicare for all bill, actually, I, I do remember, was proposed was $35 trillion. I think currently we spend like somewhere around $34 trillion on Medicare entirety in its entirety, which is hilarious mm-hmm. across 10 years, by the way. Not like every year, but mm-hmm. across 10 years, which is hilarious when you think about it. Um, So it is a pretty giant sum. Uh, it, it's a third mm-hmm. of Medicare essentially, uh, which you see how we, we feel about paying Medicare. We don't yeah. feel great about it. So the question I mean, we is- We can literally take that money out of the military that is continuing to get their budget jumped right? up because we're not, we're supposedly not actively in war right now, supposedly. Supposedly. So yeah. But- Why aren't we, why, you know- I mean, g- give them a time. They're going to, they're going to find a war. Um, oh, we're about to be yeah, one. We're uh, trying. From, we're trying so hard to get into a war. We're, we're, we're about to be in another one. <laughs> we want to be in a war so bad. You can tell. Like America yeah. loves war. They are like we are mm-hmm. really big fans of war. I don't know why we're so into it. Other Super than the fans. money, I guess it's the money. We're into it for the money. We love it's money. The money. Yeah, it's the money. It's the money. It's the money yeah. Of course. Every time we talk about, and every time they talk about uh, World War II and uh, the Great Depression, it's it's a wonderful note, even though it's not true. It's a great note that they're always like, the reason we got out of the depression was because we spent a lot of money in war. And it's like, well. That's theoretically true, but where did all the money come for you from for you to spend in war? Why didn't you just yeah. spend it on the people during the depression? No one talks about that. But anyway, um, you could just fed people. <laughs> yeah, you literally could just feed. Just people. let the people starve. You're like, mm. but when the war showed up, you were like, oh, we got the money. We we can do it. Let's go. We got bombs. Um, but anyway, that's that's all. Another honestly, one. I think we also shouldn't have to pay taxes like as black people because Same. like the American <laughs> system. <laughs> It has benefited from our bodies for so long. At least like, the, why are we taxed? At least the year that you pay us reparations, we don't have to pay taxes. And we don't pay taxes so, on the yeah, reparations. Yeah, definitely don't. Right? Don't you dare taxes tax me on like these reparations. Like 60% or something like that. <laughs> don't you dare hit me with a third um, of 260000 <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Okay. Because at whatever point, let's say they hit that gavel reparations are happening anybody who is on the census or whatever the fuck is yeah. as as black they're gonna get that check does that stop at that one payout 
or does that end up being something that is available to anybody that's born after that date and then for starting them off into a future of like let's say that check drops in the in an infant's bank account and that thing is frozen until they're 18 <laughs> years old so that when they 18 <laughs> years old and you know like nowadays like for us 18 years old you get that bag of wonder bread and that pot and you're like go out there and live a life instead of that wonder bread and that pot you get access to that 260 some odd thousand dollars so in in a ideal world that is a great scenario that should happen uh what most likely will happen is uh, for children that are unborn, they're not going to, you're not going to get reparations. Uh, and it's unfortunate, but the idea is it's generational wealth, right? So the idea is we gave it to your parents. They're supposed to pass down that opportunity to you. Whether or not they did is optional, but they're supposed to pass that opportunity down to you. So that's for unborn. Mm. I like the idea of kids who are like maybe born, but like maybe in that that range of like, I'm too young for you to hand 260000 to me. It's like 17 and under. But then I, so I that feel your like- your parents don't end up spending yeah, it. Yeah. I like the idea of, of, of like- um, you know, placing it in a trust, but what will end up happening most likely is that they will just give it to the parents, and then the parents hopefully won't see what what is that six hundred thousand because it's, it's three of black people in every ch- household. So hopefully that household mm-hmm. won't get six hundred thousand. Be like, yeah, and, and just hopefully, yeah. But again, I think the the amount of money that that is is not substantial enough to where uh, you can hope that it doesn't get just blown away. Uh, but mm-hmm. by the same token, I feel like most black families, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to go on a limb here and I'm, I'm pro- I feel comfortable saying this. The majority of black families uh, would try to use that to build wealth just in the context of uh, uh, the society we live in. It doesn't make sense to blow $260,000. I know yeah. that there are people like, who do you will. want to be the black people that are behind after everybody yeah. else starts to figure it out. And, and there's there's going to be you know poor investments, things are going to fall apart, money's going to get lost. So yeah. that that's it's it's gonna sure. money's going to get lost. But I think some people will fail. At people it. are going to have the opportunity that they didn't have, and I think that's what we have to really latch on here. Which I hate, but we have to latch on to that. It's it's that they have <laughs> the opportunities that they wouldn't have. Like even if they take it and they go out and buy like gold chains and cars, it is an opportunity to buy things and their the, their choices and they the assets that they choose it. are poor. But it's oppor- it is an opportunity for them to to actually purchase those things. And ideally, uh, if we were to give that money, I mean, it, it'd be a little weird and preachy and, and kind of white mansplainy. But it'd be dope if we were like, hey, guess what comes with this two hundred sixty seven thousand. A class on investing. <laughs> like, if you don't. I was going to suggest <laughs> that. Like, legit, like, they should have already been teaching us that yeah. in school anyway. But that that should be a part of It'd this. Be super like, dope. In terms yeah. of what's going to keep us from not succeeding potentially is one, we don't understand, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm saying co- as a as a as a population of Americans, most of us don't understand regardless of, of race. Yeah. But but let us understand how this money works. How do we grow grow wealth that we've received? You know, like because if it were me, if I like two hundred sixty thousand dollars won't pay off our student loan debt. You know, like so you got to wipe that out mm-hmm. for me too. Yeah, and give me a chance to buy property to, you know, to grow my money in some kind of way for for me to be able to have that leg up, right? And I'm generally fine. Like I generally, well, until recently, I've generally made enough money to survive and blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. But I'm always chasing the fact that I do have this ballooning debt because I have a master's degree. My husband has a master's degree, you know, like all of us. I'm with you. We we both have, me and my wife (laughs) both are trying to pay down our student loans too. And I feel like it's, so I, so I'll say this. I I would love if uh, a class is nice, but it would be great if there were legitimate programs set up. Mm-hmm. I would like it if uh, the government took on some of the financial risk of investing and they specifically set mm-hmm. up programs to help people understand how to invest that money. So uh, like uh, if we're talking about investing in like venture capital, for example, the government goes in on a 30% stake and you have 70% and they help you select like the venture, the venture cap, they, they give you yes. an expert, a dude who is like, all I do is venture capital. Like, this is all I do is all I do is wager on, on cap on ventures. And I have an 80% mm-hmm. hit rate. And you go in with that person, yeah. the government, or even the government pays that dude. Maybe you don't put the 30% up, but you just pay that dude to come help me figure out what to do with this money. And I feel like uh, mm-hmm. there will be a solid amount of people who will probably be willing to do that anyway, as soon as like, you know, black people get 267,000. But I would like it if, uh, you know, the government provided people that were trained, who were prepped for this and who were like, oh, we already have investments waiting 
for this that yeah. are stable, that are built for people who are, you know, trying to first get their fillers out for the market. And then we'll help guide you through this process so you're not just pulling out when things go bad. Or, and, and I think it, it's in the mm-hmm. long run interest for everyone. It's an interest for black people. Yeah. It's an interest for the government. It's an interest for the economy. For the long run, everyone benefits from this. The problem is that like trying to convince them to do it, obviously. But yeah, no, I, I, I think you make a solid point though. I feel like uh, you, you can't just hand over money. I don't know what to tell you about uh, the student loans. I, I would hope that like if this happened, this would be apart from because, I mean, we had one president yeah. get elected saying that he was going to get rid of student loans. So I would hope, yeah. I would and hope <laughs> that yeah. you wouldn't have to pay him off. But yeah, that's how mad would you be if you paid, got reparations, paid your student loans up, and then the next president up was like, soon. we're done. Oh my God. I mean, I wouldn't be mad, mad, I, but I'd be like, I'd be salty. I'd be like, God damn it. I, I would definitely be salty because then you don't have your property. You don't have all that stuff. All I got is is uh, the the pat on the back for cleaning off, for paying off my debts before you know the government forgave them. Damn it. Yeah. No, I listen. I, I would I'm say not this. trying to. I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be upset because I get the idea of like everyone getting free college is dope. And I wouldn't be upset about it, especially if, if I paid reparations money specifically to get rid of my student loans. Because, again, it was the opportunity. And I get that. But. <laughs> Part of me, deep down inside, would be furious about that. <laughs> like, just fucking furious. Uh, yeah. Just, ah, oh, so angry. Um, <laughs> I just don't think that would be the way I would end up doing it because I feel like they've paused our, our student loans for the last two years. Mm-hmm. That tells us that they're not going to die if they don't get this money. Nope. So I have no incentive no. to use my reparations money Everybody to pay Everybody keeps that promising off. to, like to uh forgive them so now it's like why would i pay you that's the chumps game i might as well just vote for yeah. someone who's gonna get like give me forgiveness and then i don't have to pay you at all yeah I, it, anyway the whole thing yeah. i don't know like i think we've we are at pandora's <laughs> box for student loans and we can have that conversation yeah. later but we, we are beyond that could be a different one, yeah, yeah we're past like paying student loans back why would i why yeah. why like it's but it is about how to understand building generational yeah. wealth and that comes from an understanding of how the stock market works and how you know how investments work because we don't collectively know yeah. um, or even if you want to start a business having or yeah like i mean i've started several businesses none of which have made me rich you know most of w- which i'm just getting by on you yeah. know like i'm just trying to 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 live and and do something under my own steam um and I, you know, there's absolutely things that I, I could know that would improve things. You know, I could have been sitting on some money for a little while instead, while it grew, instead of yeah. buying product or whatever it is. You know what I'm yep. saying? Like, there's a ton of stuff that would have been nice to even have just generally in our education system, oh. let alone, this is part of your reparations package. Yeah, just explain the tax code to me. Like, just like, yo, what's what's better? Should I pay at the end of the year or should I just let the government hold my money? Obviously, pay at the end of the year is better, but I wish someone would explain that to me when I was younger. I didn't know that. Like, no one explained to me that, like, ultimately, you could probably pay way less taxes if you don't give them your money up front and then just deduct everything you can. No one explained that to me. No one has ever taught mm. me through, like, deductions. As a, as an adult, for a long time, I was just like, yo, hold the max amount out of my tax out of my check i'll take a little yeah, rebate check back too. and then i'll just be happy with that little yeah. rebate check not realizing i'm just giving an interest-free loan to the government <laughs> and, mm. and not making any money off of it and it's 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 little things like that that i wish people would tell me like hey you could just cut the money that the government takes out of taxes yourself put it aside into a bank account then keep that interest for yourself and then give the rest of the money to government you could 100 do that i wish somebody would tell would have told me that Initially, and to your point, if there were a class or a program or some way for us to get like some knowledge, that would be dope. Um, mm-hmm. We are going to have to wrap, unfortunately. So let me, okay. I want to say this. I want One last thing I will say. I'm not going to go into a whole spiel about how the government can afford, <laughs> <laughs> how the government can afford this because I feel sure. like we've, we've kind of touched on it a little bit, but uh, I, I will say this. I don't know if you saw this special on Netflix by Brian Simpson, but he started it off with uh, the government was always like black people can't get, uh, <laughs> black people can't get um, reparations because of how much money it is. It's so much money. And then we spent the first part of the pandemic just giving everybody in the country 1400 mm-hmm. or $2,800 depending upon like just giving everybody money. Where's our money? That's that's all I got to say. And, and I got to be, it's that's a great all. point. 
It's a great, like, it's, we can totally afford this. By the way, uh, I'll put an article in the, the notes for the description that point out that we can totally afford this. Uh, there are articles mm-hmm. that have gone through, like, hey, there's deficit spending. And then, not to mention, as we just talked about, just the economic impact of 200, of what, $10.7 trillion being pumped into what is the American economy. And, uh, like, yeah. for all the, the, the jokes about how black people just, like, blow all their money if they did get paid reparations, that would be money that is just psychological through the economy boosting every going into the economy yeah, yeah. all of us are gonna i mean uh, honestly you don't that. even have to give it to us in a lump sum right like you could literally just say guaranteed three thousand dollars a month yeah. and then someone can go oh shit my rent is paid so i can use all my other money that i make to yeah. do all the other stuff maybe i can afford to take my classes now maybe i could do all this other stuff 100%. maybe i can invest in some real estate like there's so many ways that this could happen that won't be quote unquote a huge pain you know for america to be able to pay out and and would benefit the country and all of its citizens not just you know this this somehow um unfair thing of like giving people who weren't suffering from slavery quote unquote (laughs) also the right thing to do let's not miss that through all of this also the right thing to do 100 percent. i feel like uh we we in this country are very um infatuated with doing the right thing and justice and freedom don't nail it at all no we're infatuated (laughs) with it we never do it i feel like this is an opportunity for us to do the right thing for us to be like you know what justice was served not only did we free these people but we also freed them from uh the tyranny of oppression oh my god that'd be amazing and yet here we How are crazy would that be ah yeah so amazing Shermaine. this has been amazing this has been yes. incredible actually i'm going to give you however much time as you want to plug any and everything you <laughs> want to plug tell at this point i imagine people are listening to this and, and they're like i want to hear more of Shermaine because i do okay so tell tell us where we can hear more of Shermaine. all right if you if you want to follow um all of my podcasts uh, militantly makes a podcast about <laughs> thank you uh militantly makes is a podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective it is on all the podcatchers and you can um, just head on over to militantlymix.com or militantlymix on any of the social media platforms uh by furious is a podcast for those of us that feel marginalized from the quote-unquote mainstream lgbtq plus community um so you know brown uh basically (laughs) (laughs) brown disabled you know any any kind of group that is outside of the the cishet uh, male situation or cis male situation um, in queerness. Uh, that's also on all the podcatchers, and that is by Furious Pod on all of the social medias. And then I co-host a show with my childhood friend Blurred Vision uh, called Blurred Comics, and it's C O M I X E D because we are comic book nerds that are mixed. Um, <laughs> And uh, that is Blurred Comics on all the social media as well. And we're on all the podcatchers. And then coming in May, spring 2022, uh, I am going to launch a new show called (gasps) The Determined Departers, along with a friend of mine who, uh, Shenanigans, uh, we're going to be talking about our journey on trying to get out of the United States. We are we're trying leaving. to become future expats. <laughs> yeah, we're we're trying to peace out in 2023, and so we're we're gonna do a show charting that journey, and also to speak to other existing expats and or former expats, in which uh, someone whose voice you are also hearing to uh. right now is going to be a guest on the show <laughs> or has already recorded with me. Uh, Jay joined me as one of my first interviews that I did for for that show, so we're putting that show together for a drop in um, the spring of 2022. I am excited for that show I, I think more people should experience living like legitimately living not just traveling like living outside of the united states living about yes I agree. it makes a huge and i think difference. it's important for black folks yeah like black folks need to live in other places because uh when you experience like like i i haven't traveled out of the country too much only about f- uh, five times uh which is probably a lot for some people but being brown in those different places means something different every mm-hmm. time and and the way that i've been received and or treated has been different every single time and um you know sometimes it's refreshing not to be the brown in a space <laughs> sometimes you know the only brown or mm-hmm. the favorite brown or whatever uh so i i i think that is an important um thing and it, it's like getting a chance to speak to you like you you had told me things i hadn't even occurred to it wasn't even on my list of you know think about this being brown you know abroad or being tall like 
being tall abroad, you know, <laughs> stuff like that was a thing that, that you taught me. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, if you move to a place where you don't fit the clothes, that would be wild. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's it's a real so problem. It <laughs> it's a super real problem. In addition to all of those shows, I also um, speak publicly on mixed race and um, a Black Asian solidarity. I do a workshop with uh, what I call the Mixed Asian Quartet uh, of other speakers, Rohan Jolie, Naturally Mona Lisa, a- Asian Soph. The four of us do a Black Asian solidarity workshop. So if you want to hire people who need to talk about Black Asian solidarity or solidarity movements in general in activism, holla at your uh, and also speak on LGBTQ plus um, issues as well. So yeah, CharmaineFury.com. You can find me at all of those places. You do everything. It's it's it's. Oh, and then I forgot. I also co-own a comic book shop. What? <laughs> so your day it's like what 35, 36 hours? What? I'm so fucking tired, bro. Do like you sleep seriously, ever? I'm so. Tired. I don't. I'm an insomniac. It sucks. My eyes are half closed all the time, and it's not because I'm Asian. I love it. It's nice to know somebody else. Uh, it takes on way too much, like I do. <laughs> It's, yeah. it's nice to know. I I I feel I feel like I'm slacking a little bit. I used to have way more stuff happening. Now I was like, all right, well, fine. <laughs> I need to step up my game. Uh, but no, I, I I also make masks. But I'm about to close down that website. Masks about, by you, Mains. Your, so your like, masks by Mains. Your masks were were super dope. I remember that first when we first started the pandemic. I, I think that might have been one of the first thing. One of the first masks I remember seeing. Been like, these are really really cool. Thank you. Yeah, I, I still make them, but I'm not making. I'm not getting as much business right now because we're all about them N95s and yep. nobody wants to double mask an N95. So um, I'm closing it up. But you know, honestly, if someone emails me and they're like, I want to order one of these Black Panthers, and I'll be like, all right, I still have yeah. the fabric. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's awesome. Uh, I will put links to everything. In fact, I'm going to have to get links from you, but I will put links to everything in the notes uh, so that everybody can follow everything. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show. This was a lot of fun. Thank I you want you to come back me. on the show, hopefully when V's here so we can all be on the show together. I think that would be a lot of fun. I would love to, yeah. Especially because we could talk about... Texas. Well, I don't even know. Actually, yeah, we're talking about Texas. We could talk about all kinds Texas of stuff. Texas and marching bands. Y'all got that in common already. <laughs> yeah so if y'all could hear i don't know if you all hear but i have tsu's marching band playing in the background so all night long while we've been recording i've been just like you know like it's been it's been good it's fun living uh, by uh, oh my god i love it i wish i wish i'm so jelly i wish i did uh every time it happens with v he's always upset and i'm like no dude this is the best like let's let's just enjoy this let's just enjoy this while we can this is like life. this is the music <laughs> of like i know there's like trumpets and shit but like it's it's the music of the ancestry right mm-hmm. like you hear those drums you hear those beats and it's like something is calling us from home yeah you know when we hear that music so for me uh yeah i i just like i get my life during it it is unfortunate for podcasting purposes but i get my life every time it's i hear fantastic. it so i kind of love good. it i'm just glad that you and i finally speak though because like right? you and i have been tweeting at each other forever we have <laughs> friends in the podcasting game in common yep. we have talked at each other through our shows before yes or like one we've been guests yep. like I've, I've heard that too it's like yep. oh my god jay mentioned me um so like i'm glad that we finally get a chance to see each other so thank you and i'm so happy to be here and i will come back anytime awesome uh i'm gonna take you up on that because you will be back um thank you so much uh (laughs) for people who are listening to the show one last thing i do want to remind you of we are on good pods right now so go to goodpods.com you can find us there uh the best part about good pods is that uh one you can rate the show which by the way only take five star ratings do not give me anything less than five stars if you feel like i'm less than a five star show you should not leave me a rating um no i don't <laughs> i don't do fi- i don't do four star ratings I, that's not a compliment that's an insult you're spitting in the face of me and insult. everyone else who loves me how dare you um and in second they want you to be hungry <laughs> no that's not gonna make me hungry it's just gonna make me mad like i'm hungry enough i'm making the podcast how, how much hungry do you want me to be um <laughs> get this free entertainment and shut the fuck up thank basically. you all i ask is five stars i'm not even asking for money just give me five stars um and then uh, secondly i you can recommend that and share it with your friends uh so please do that uh, on good pods we're also on apple Podcasts. we're also on uh multiple podcasters so wherever you're listening to this uh give us five star ratings i promise you if i see that you gave me less than five stars and i find it i'm gonna call you out on the show no i'm not gonna do that. i'm not i'm not toxic i'm I not gonna strike do that. down upon <laughs> thee with great vengeance and furious anger i'm not toxic i won't do that i will i will cry alone by myself Sadly, it'll just be me crying in a room no. by myself. You will bring that up upon me. So please leave me a five-star review. Uh, and we will see everybody next week. For now, we'll leave you with FCON. 